0: This is the emperor. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Eat it.
1: Live long and prosper.
2: Bad feeling
1: about this. turning away from the things that I want to believe in. This is going to get pretty interesting. Divine interest. Oh God! Oh God! We're all going to die.
2: Only try to realize the truth. There is no screw. We are at peace,
3: always. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts.
2: Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 6-0. Miles, we are turning 60 today. Yeah, we are. Yeah. But Losing our hair. Oh, wait, you lost <laughs> your hair a while ago. Long time ago. A long time ago. My name is Scott Herzog. And hello wherever you are, whenever you are, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are your hosts tonight for the Sci-Fi Diner. We're always your hosts, it seems like.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we have not always been your hosts, but we're your hosts tonight.
1: We've been your hosts fairly consistently for last. long I was
2: listening to episode
1: eight. No, was that with? Uh, that last was with Don? you. That was with me. Okay. Yeah,
2: as you were in there. I was one. I had to be one of your first ones. I think episode seven was the Watchmen episode. And then oh, okay. Prior to that, I did an episode by myself, and then prior to that, I think it was Don. So Don, uh, Don was only in the first couple episodes, mm-hmm. and he wasn't in all of them. There might have been three. Okay. And actually, one of those Matt Mathers co-hosted one. I remember that one. So that's a uh, you're going you're going back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just amazed. I was listening to it and said, I said, you know. Back then, I, I often think back in my mind that the qualities of the shows have gotten, you know, in, increased, but we pretty good quality back then. I was uh, pretty impressed with what we were doing back then. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> no. Some good stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, some interesting way of introing the show.
1: Talking about uh, the history.
2: Yeah, talking about the history, mm-hmm. the history of it.
1: Anyways, but, you know, when, when you're 60... You get to be a little nostalgic. That is true, but we're talking about sci fi, so mm. we need to. Um, well, we could talk about alternate history.
2: That's kind of sci fi.
1: Alternate history is sci fi.
2: So, you know, so back when we were another podcast. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the alternate podcast. Uh, Miles, how's your week been going in sci fi? Uh,
1: pretty good. Um, still enjoying what, what's uh, still a lot of good stuff on TV yet before uh, the season finales. Uh, Fringe was absolutely awesome last week. Um, yeah, well, the whole Peter centered
2: episode, huh?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and that wasn't as, especially the ending of it.
1: Well, the <laughs> ending alone—if if it was just—if the—if the show was just five minutes long, it would have been okay because that ending was just the ending huge. was what mattered. Yes, and
2: uh, we have a two-part finale. It looks like coming up this week, I believe. That's um, what I've been reading on it. So,
1: uh, enjoying um, SGU. Uh, oh yeah. Um, Wife and I have noticed that um, Rush's character seems to be a little more human. It seems mm-hmm. um, interesting things with his character. So, uh, so yeah, still you know a lot of good stuff on sci-fi and TV and TV uh, um, and Flash Forward, a mm-hmm. lot of that good stuff. Yeah, and
2: you're still watching Smallville.
1: I'm still watching Smallville.
2: Yeah, uh, some big uh, concluding episodes coming up, huh?
1: Right, season finale for that's coming up soon.
2: Yep, and is that this week or is it next week? I
1: think it's next week.
2: Okay, but I'll have to check. Uh, I think, I thought for some reason it might be this week. Okay. I was reading TV Guide. TV Guide had actually something mentioned on it. I don't oh, typically okay. read TV Guide. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into our menu of what we're serving up our fine listeners tonight. Okay. Uh, uh, it's, 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 it's in essence not a long menu because we are going to talk Iron Man too. We saw that together on Friday mm-hmm. and we liked it overall. We are going to put, <laughs> our talk about Iron Man 2 at the end of the show, so we don't spoil your dinner. Right. All right. Um, Give you a chance to see the movie first. Right. So, if you, we're going to bring you our interview. Our interview tonight is with
1: the producers of uh, Starship Farragut.
2: Yes. And as you, as we've said, uh, we, as we've, as you know, if you listen to our show for a while, you know that we support fan films. And Farragut have been, these guys have been great. We've interviewed them before. Actually, mm-hmm. probably about a year ago, we interviewed them. Right. We're going to be interviewing uh, some people from Starship Phoenix, right? Yeah. Sometimes uh,
1: we're working out trying to get an interview with them, but they are very be, open to being interviewed, yeah.
2: So, yeah, I need to contact them. I'm kind of been
1: busy. But uh, I will get back
2: to them and make sure that we do that and bring mm-hmm. them. And then the other, we'll, we'll also give you a little bit of uh, Captain American news, and we will not forget to give you the twist. Yes. So uh, that is This Week in Star Trek by Miles. And we do have the Sci-Fi 5 and 5 that we'll be bringing you at the end of the show. Very cool. Well, Miles, before we get into our trivia, which we are going to announce the winner of the Lee Arenberg print winner, mm-hmm. uh, we need to give just a little bit of show news. First of all, last week, 59 episode, I don't know if this is the curse with growing older or what it is, but the, the original feed I put out did have a little bit of a promo music in the middle of the interview. I have since. Uh, Changed that so that music's no longer there. So, if that really bothered you, if you want to hear the interview without the fringe promo and, and other things playing in the middle of it, you can download it again.
1: Sorry about that, guys. Uh, it happens when you get old. You well, say? editing is not an easy thing. So, um, you know, the fact that most of the shows sound flawless, I mean, it's, it's not a huge deal.
2: It's a. Um it is a long process. Right. So I spend
1: a I spend a good uh 3
2: 4 hours editing the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh from, from the, when we when we're done recording that's the easy part.
1: Right. So, that, 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 but work Yeah.
2: So uh thanks for those of you who let me know that that was in there and thanks for everyone that is still listening to the show and uh we appreciate you guys tons. Right. And uh we actually had some uh, Chris, our good friend at Subspace, plugged us again, right?
1: Yes, our friend Chris uh, on on he uh, plugged us, and he plugged uh, our friends at Checkspace. So we kind of had um, podcasts around the same time. So, so very cool! Mm-hmm.
2: It was always cool to get some promotion, and we uh, we would encourage you if you have not done so, check out Chris's website at Subspace Communicate. Is it mm-hmm. SubspaceCommunicate dot com? That, that is correct. Yes. Oh well, I, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm good, Miles.
1: Uh, well, Miles, take us into the trivia this week. Okay, last time we asked a trivia question. question was, what Star Wars Episode one City was first mentioned in a Timothy Zahn novel?
2: And the uh, prize that we were going to give away for this is...
1: A signed Lee Ehrenberg, Pirates of the Caribbean print.
2: And if you don't know who Lee Ehrenberg is, please check out episode 58. You'll hear an interview with the fine man, a great interview again that we had with him. It was a wonderful interview. And uh, the answer to this trivia was? Coruscant. Now, I've heard this name pronounced two ways. Okay. Coruscant and Coruscant. Scant,
1: scant, scant. Mm-hmm. Have you heard it pronounced both ways? Um, yes, but I think, I've, I thought I heard it in the movies present, pronounced Coruscant. Yeah, and I guess since the movies are the
2: official word on it, that's the way we're pronouncing it. hmm And our, win, our winner this week is Craig V. And so, Craig, we will get this signed print to you in the upcoming weeks. And uh, that's it for our mm-hmm. trivia this week.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, congratulations, Craig.
2: Yeah, congrats, congrats. And uh we'll give you our new trivia next week, and we have a lot of good stuff to give away. Yeah, oh yeah. So, well, we're going to move into our interview with Starship Farragut. We're starting with our interview this week only because we're going to be talking about Iron Man 2, and we don't want to be held to not spoiling it. So, if you have not seen it, we do not guarantee when we talk about Iron Man 2 that we will not spoil this movie. Uh So, if you haven't seen it yet, don't want us to ruin it. Play you know, when you, after the end of the interview, push pause, come back to the podcast after you've seen it, and then you hear our thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Does that work, Miles? Works out great. It works great for me. Uh, before we go into the interview, let's hear from our friends Wayne and Dan from Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. Come close. I've got a quick question for you. Have you ever felt like you're out on the edge? Let's maybe call it the fringe. I happen to know someone who's fluent in gobbledygook. Well, I might be that guy. I'm Wayne Henderson.
1: And I'm Dan, Metal Dan on Twitter.
2: And together, we are the Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast devoted to the TV show Fringe. Check out Fringe Casting at MediaVoiceOvers.com slash Fringe. Also in iTunes, the Zoom Marketplace, etc. Then call us with your Fringe thoughts and theories on our listener line at area code 206. 984-1446. Thank you for your attention and have a nice day. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Miles, we have a phenomenal interview tonight.
1: Right. uh, When we got to Farpoint... um, We uh, saw the guys at uh, the uh, Starship uh, Farragut table, Uh, John Broughton and uh, Mike Bednar, uh, the producers uh, uh, and uh, actors for um, Starship Farragut. So we just, you know, we sat down with them. We just had a nice, more of a conversation than an interview um, about their work, uh, their philosophy and uh, filmmaking. Um, We could have. I could have stayed there an extra couple hours just just talk with them. It was just a really fun time with them. Um, That'd have been a heck of a long interview. It would have been, but uh, <laughs> it, was, it was just a great time. But it, but what also is uh, happening is um, we talked about their work in um, in doing uh, you know episodes in animation. Well, just this just today they released uh, Act Three, Parts One and Two of uh, their episode, of The Needs of the Many. So. Um, Check that out. That's on their YouTube page. Uh, I believe we'll have a, a link in our show notes. But um, I'll try to remember to put one. Okay. If they don't, let me know. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, what we, uh, we're, ladies and gentlemen, um, we give you our interview with uh, uh, John Broughton and uh, Mike Bednar from uh, Starship Farragut. And
2: uh, when we go into it, just be aware we recorded this live on the floor of the con, so you're going to hear a lot of con noise in the background. Hey, it's a great interview, and mm-hmm. it gives the authenticity of being there.
1: Right. So you could. So we're bringing the con to you. So you'll feel like you're at a convention, even though you're not at a convention.
3: Captain's log, Stardate six zero five zero point five. The Farragut has been ordered to the Corus system to locate the USS Azrael under the command of Captain Aaron Glenn. The Azrael was investigating the recent discovery of some unusual alien technology deep in uncharted space. Just three days into her mission. All communications with the Azrael ceased. It is our mission to uncover the reason for the communications disruption and to offer any assistance that may be required. Captain, I have a ship on intercept course approaching at warp six. Identification. A Federation Starship. NCC 517.
1: It's the USS Azrael, sir.
2: Well, uh, we're here miles mm-hmm. with uh, Starship mm-hmm. Farragut, yes. right? So, uh, guys, well, at least part of the crew is here, and uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves and then go from there. Okay.
3: I'm John Brunton, I'm the executive producer.
2: I'm Michael Bednar, uh, another producer. Very cool. Well, tell us, what is going on And in We interviewed you, what? It's been a little bit less than a year ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, uh, I'm not the animated series had not come out yet. I'm just pretty shortly it. Right all that, and so much has happened in this past year. How, what's been going
3: on with that? Well, we've been, we've been focused more on, in addition to the animated episodes, which we've been, that was pretty much the focus for the year, um, getting two animated episodes out. We and, and that was something of a crossover from live action to animation. We've been focusing on completing our sets, the bridge primarily. So, um, that, in a nutshell, is what's what we've been doing. Um, right now we're looking at scripts, for what we plan to film this fall, we plan to get the sets completed by the summer. And um, in addition to the second animated episode, releasing that probably next month, we are working to finish "Just Passing Through," which we did a few years ago, but we didn't like what we had put together. We we did complete it. We showed it at several conventions and, and public screenings, but we didn't. Um, it wasn't available for public. Access. We've so. we got good reviews on it, but there are some things in it—technical things—that
0: we didn't like. So we decided early on that we would not release this, but go ahead and refilm it at a later date. And so uh, we put it out there uh, to go ahead and get it refilmed, and, and started that. Yeah, most of it is done. Uh, we've got two scenes: the uh, the opening and the uh, uh, final shots to do, and that will be done late
3: March. And that'll be complete, and then into post production. Yeah. And something to note about just the refilming of that: there's no other group that I'm aware of that completed a film, and said, you know what, we, we the producers, don't really like this. It's not up to the, the quality and the par of what we that we wanted to see. And, and, and at the end of the day, although we've got some, as Mike pointed out, some high comments and, and remarks on it, we just said, you know, what, we don't like it. So we went back and redid it, and we've done it, and we revised the script and make some changes, and now i think this episode when it does come back out and people see it and we may even include the old one so that people can see the before and after and do the comparison a special features type thing exactly and be able to say it and so we've we've um, we've always strived for quality and putting out good episodes good stories um, good quality films and um,
2: that shows an integrity of your work you know, know. you're the guy that said a
3: detail, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's, that's all part of it.
0: Well, yeah. you know, every episode that we've done, we, we've always managed to raise the bar from our last one. And when we looked at this one, this was kind of stepping backwards. And that really, I mean, once we saw the finalized cut of the film, and we, we kind of thought, there, there's got to be other footage out there that we can use to, to tell the story. And there wasn't. So it's we're, we're left with, this was the best we could do with what we had, and so that's what we're saying yeah okay (laughs) let's show it premiere you know limited but let's can it and let's redo the whole thing so
3: but we did um in terms of lessons learned we had meetings we talked about the footage we talked about the acting the story itself and we fixed all those things so i think at the end of the day i think that people will say that you know when they walk away they'll say you know what this was a good story and And um, proud that they took the time and effort to redo it. You know, something because the story was something more more to heart for Holly and Mike, because it was the story itself talked about how they got together, how Tackett and Smithfield first met, and um, so it was a nice little byline story to augment our series. I was going to ask you. you, You're such a focus on the animated, and now uh, hear it here.
2: uh, for our point we're giving away the comic book as well right yes um also done by Neo Effects
3: well the the principal answer is yes the guy that did the animation Kale Tescar the majority as I understand it the lead animator um for the and an associate producer of the um, animated project took the lead on doing the comic book and he did in the exact same style of the filmation animated episodes that that he and Neo Effects worked on so um it's it's an extension of that project so i was i was going to ask with
2: such a focus on the animation it seems like for a while there you kind of said okay live action's kind of set aside for a little bit had to be i guess really to focus on set building. Yeah. yeah but, but really you've been stopped not just for the animation but for the set building the correct community. right, right. And, um, and so your first project with the new sets Tell
3: us about it. Okay, right now we have about I think about ten scripts. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have six, six, we okay. Six. And right now we've we're. we next month. We plan to to between now and then. We've we've been tasked the Starship Farragut Management Team has been tasked with looking at the scripts, and then we're all going to get together and vote and discuss and comment on which one we want to move, from, <laughs> taking in consideration the sets. And we do plan to have them all done this summer. So this fall. In the summertime frame, we could go into pre-production with whatever script we vote on next month. So, um, But we've got some pretty good submissions. Right, right. And we opened. We had a closed submission policy some time ago, but we opened it. Because a lot of story concepts that we get are scripts or story treatments. They had people doing, our characters doing things that they would never do. Um, Prescott, for one, being very... what do you call it? He, Militant? Mediv? He, he was being very, um, um, he wasn't in line with his character, who is right. very much by the book, very respectful, um, and he was doing things to the senior officers that just wasn't nature. And, and things with Carter and Tackett and Smithfield, it was like, don't you, we put, we felt we put enough content out there with, you know, three, and you could say four films for those of the scene just passing through, the first version, and then we have animated and and some other stuff. We felt there was enough content that people should recognize. So we reopened the policy, and we've got some, some good stuff now. So we're going through, and we'll be making a determination. And we're trying to augment our management team with some other people. Um, Don Callens, who you just met briefly a few moments ago, she's been loosely involved in our project. She may be a director. Um, no, who is she for people who have never... Oh, Dawn Collins is known... For her work with her and her husband Shane Felix, um, Star Wars Revelations, Pitching Lucas, which which won an award, uh, Trent Trenches, trenches um, which is a quasi Disney project, um, and she's a regular here at the convention, and she's been loosely involved in our project. Um, so looking to maybe her direct project, we have Dennis Bailey, who also who's from Star Trek fame. He wrote the episode Tin Man. He revised the script for um, First Contact, not the film, but the other episode of Next Gen. And he's he wrote the extra episode of the Saurian Intersection, and he's got a very good foundation in writing and gets certain things in terms of filmmaking. And we've been working with him on the Starship Flares project, so um, which has been his brain, brainchild. It's an original sci-fi um, project. It's I, I mean. I'd probably leverage you to psych- speak to him to speak more, but it's kind of a mix of kind of like Planet, uh, Forbidden Planet, Star Trek, some of the sci-fi elements, but really good science fiction, very good original concept. And um, we've been working with him and, and looking maybe him to wreck, as well as his associate producer, Maurice uh, Molyneux, to maybe get involved as well. So looking to augment our team with some other people on the camera side, lighting... Mm-hmm. Yeah. so when we do film this fall to bring some of that fresh talent new blood into our project hopefully raise the bar even yeah. higher for correct. Yeah. correct yeah we yeah. have to get away from this mentality of having basically five people pretty much doing everything yeah. I mean we, we got to get away from that mentality we can't do everything and it's not realistic when you have your when your lead actors like Mike for example as the prop maker as the as the camera guy DOP it, it's just, you have to say, I mean, there's certain I was supposed to remember lines, <laughs> <laughs> Right. I mean, so, yeah. Things. Exactly. Right. You guys you wear many hats. Yes, yes. you we want to
0: get rid of some of those hats, the, mm-hmm. the people that are qualified to take them. Uh, one thing that, that John didn't mention yet is, even after we get the sets built, and before we film our next episode, we're, there, there's talk again of having another open house on the sets. Yeah. And the warehouse that we've got, we're tying in... So as you walk from one set to another, you're actually walking through the ship's
1: corridor. So all that's going to be set up. So it's, 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 it's going to be nice. Yeah. Something you said, Mike, we were just talking about earlier. You guys are trying not to, as say, rehash what's already been done.
0: Correct, right? correct. All fresh material, uh, not playing off of anything that has been done before or shown before. Uh, it's I, I cliche it as the fanboy episode, and mm-hmm. I want to steer away from that exactly. type of... of mm-hmm. uh, Scripts. Um, We get some in that that bring in elements of the original series, and it's not like we're going to go ahead and say, okay, well, that was can now because it's got it in there. We'll go back to the writer uh, Mm -hmm. after we do our voting on it. We'll go back to the writer and say, look, we'd like to use this, but we'd like you to change this to something else. What do you got? Right. Uh, That way, they're still in the game for uh, having a script done, but we also get to look at it and, and get rid of that. Uh, fanboy type of mentality to so. Yeah, and if
3: I can elaborate further, it's just that I think one of our high marks on our series project differentiating us from others is that we, we try so much to be original. Mm-hmm. It's a different ship. It's not the Enterprise. Right. It's 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 got original soundtrack. It's got, you know, we, we've stayed in the foundation of Star Trek with the look and feel props, costume sets, ships, but it's all new material. And so the further I think that we stay away from what is the canon stuff, the less likely fanboyish stuff that comes out. I think we'll just get... We're trying to get away from that as much as possible, even the notion of being fan films. We look at ourselves more like independent filmmakers trying to make new episodes of Star Trek because Paramount, CBS, television, and and Hollywood are not doing that other than the remake of J.J. Abrams' um, work. But um, I think that Full One of a Nail is a good episode, and we were talking about that earlier. Mike was bringing up a lot of good points that... You know, it's it's all original. It's it's not it's not the um, rehashing of stuff. And you can take out all those actors, or our actors, from *For Whom Nail* and replace them with *TOS*, and it would have been a great, another good *Star Trek* episode. And that's what we we're trying to stay. And I think also for *A Rock and a Hard Place*, it, it's you know *Rock and a Hard Place*. It's it's although it's short, it's 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 another Trek story. So. Mm-hmm.
1: What I liked, I mean, um, I, I think with with, with with rehashing or doing the fanboy thing is almost, um, I don't know, diminishes what you guys are doing. I mean, if you guys have a good product, um, if you rehash something, original series, you're depending upon that when there's still so much, Correct. so many worlds to explore and so many new stuff. So many still.
3: alien races to encounter, mm-hmm. so many other things, technologies that haven't been exposed yet. And, I mean... Uh, do you
2: find... We were talking to Dayton Ward uh, a bit ago. I guess... we Dayton Ward, the Star Trek author Dayton Ward. He was talking oh. about how uh, in the expanded universe when you do something like this, you take an idea that maybe was brought up in a, in, in a series episode that they don't ever really explore. Do you find yourself looking at that for script ideas sometimes or do you stay
3: away from that all Stay
0: part? away from altogether. Uh, like, like I said in uh, For Want of a Nail, that started... By John wanting to do an episode with George Washington riding near the water on a horseback. And yeah. that's what spawned that entire episode. So yeah, I wanted
3: the two, I wanted Captain, the Starship captain in uniform on a horse next to George Washington on his horse in, in a full general attire. And I just, that was the idea, the premise. And um, went from there. A rock in a hard place when I was writing it. I, I had to write it because. Uh, to date, no one had written anything in terms of a love story, and I wanted to fight. I wanted one thing to differentiate our series from the original was instead of a wagon train of the stars, be like space gunsmoke. smoke. I wanted it to be action. A lot of my favorite episodes were in season two. A lot of the stories that Gene Kuhn wrote, and I just wanted to. So I, I you know, started out and um, I wanted it to be a short. I wanted it to be self-contained. You know, it has a beginning, it has a conflict, and it has resolution. It has an ending to it, and. It has love, it has comedy, it has, you know, but it, it, it's very much the concepts. I mean, a lot of the stories, you know, putting aside canon and, and ideology or the elements of Star Trek, you can put that as stuff, and a lot of it, it it's just really good storytelling. And the concepts of what happens now, like the love interest or fights, those things, they're just, they're universal in nature. I mean, they're just, if you pull from those things, um, you, even now, a lot of the things that are going on now—you put in politics. You know, you have the energy crisis. You know, where everything is going green now. You have um, Iran with their nuclear capability, and then what? The, what does that mean for the world? I mean, there's so many things you could pull from now and
1: tell other new stories. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. And Star Trek always took something contempor- yeah, exactly. to contemporary, make it contemporary to tell a, to tell a story in your own universe, but yeah. And, and yeah. address and that contemporary probably, issue. Exactly. Way. Exactly.
3: And I think that's where, like, right now, I'm I'm collaborating with with Mike's wife, Holly, who plays our, in, our you know our trusted chief engineer on a story concept that deals. It, it's it's got it would be another short, but it's got elements of like testing. I, I put a twist on it instead of animal testing, it's human testing on humans. Oh, okay. And what that means, the Federation is banned. It, but I mean, just some. It's a new new you know a new premise on a universal theme and writing a whole story around it but it's got new alien it would be all new it wouldn't have like the guardian of forever it wouldn't have the gorn it wouldn't have you know um Indorians,
0: or klingons or Romulans. right yeah. and, and and not to say that we won't have an episode that has that doesn't have those right? I mean, and we've and had our no share of klingons <laughs> but well I know we got another script coming up where there's primates so right
2: <laughs> now, uh, so let's back up and talk a little bit about the animated series you guys made. Put the first one out. What was the name of the first one again? Power Source. Power Source. And the name of the second one is? Uh, needs of the Many. The Needs of the Many. So, in this process, what are your roles? You guys are not animators. So, what do well, you
3: Well, this is an interesting project because this <laughs> yes. whole thing has been spearheaded by Michael Strzok of Neo FX. Yeah. And it was he something. We interviewed
2: that, him back in August, I believe. Right, and
3: this is something he's been wanting to do for some period of time. And he took our Farragut characters and and did, hence, an episode. But in terms of the creative process, we weren't really involved in that. This is something. And I'm lucky that even through that, um, the story was done so well, and, and so far both of them, that they were in true with our characters and well we did well in terms of creative process we, we, we read the script some collaboration we, yeah we had some collaboration because we read the scripts and we we, we tweaked we, we we went with that so we did read that and stuff but it, it it was very it was much more limited than the live action stuff right and um, but Michael was able to get some good people involved um, and was able to do some great work so right. so mostly after reading the script it's voice work and that's yeah. it yeah. And uh, you getting
2: shots in the face, right?
3: Correct. And and not to disparage, the one thing that a lesson learned that I from the first one was that I think I underestimated the level of acting and rehearsal or at least script read throughs and rehearsals just on the animation. I mean the voiceover work. And I, I was like, eh, you know I mean I remember reading how, you know, William Shatner. Red lines with the tape, you know, one of those big, clunky tape recorder devices sitting on the toilet and reading lines. And I just kind of, I think, I bring that up because the, in my mind, the level of work that I thought was needed was, would be minimal, and that's not true. And I think that you'll see from the needs of the many, at least some of the voice work, for, at least for me, I'll speak for myself only, was... Well,
0: I, I concur, because it's, you're, you're not able to convey with body language what you're doing on screen? This is all voice work, so your voice has to go ahead and emulate or be able to announce what what your intention is, and that's that's difficult to pull off, especially if you're doing it by yourself. There's no input coming in, correct? And you know, you, you've got you know, Mark did a great job of, of directing us to try to get the information from us, but the the initial uh, uh, dialogue that we had presented was not done with Mark. It was actually uh, done uh, with Paul. And the direction, there wasn't a lot. I mean, we gave lines. And and fortunately for us, the audio, there was some noise in the background, so we got to redo it. But we also got to hear some of what the other actors had done. And that kind of said, hey...
3: We can react to that. Yeah,
0: Yeah. we can do this. And so we went back in, and, and even after giving... Uh, a few iterations of a single line and sending that off to Michael's truck. Uh, Michael would come back. That was great, Mike. Can you do it again differently and, and do this? And so he'd change the line altogether, and I'd go back in, do that line, and do several iterations of that, send it back off to him. So we did this, and this would go on for three or four times before we finally got the line, not necessarily the way it was written in the beginning, but the way it now fit into the episode and so it was even the script that we have right now if you look at the script and you try to follow it way off it is it has evolved into its own thing and so as we went ahead and gave the lines it's it, that part has evolved as well as, as the characters from so but it's, it's a lot difficult a lot more difficult than ever, you know did, did Michael write the script? Uh, no. uh, Michael and uh, Jack Trevino oh yeah Michael wrote, and Jack uh, The Needs of Many and Tom Scott Wrote the right. Power Source. Power Source. And, and Jack
1: Trevino, he, he, he directed uh, Gods and Men. And didn't he write a couple he, episodes? He wrote of Gods Yeah, and, and, and Deep he?
3: Space Nine, I think he did. He did quite a bit of yeah. writing okay. for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Little Green Men, mm-hmm. with the Quark, the and they go back in time yeah. the Roswell. Yeah. yeah, it was a great episode. Yeah. 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 Now,
2: now you mentioned uh, some big names there. Who else has been involved in this
3: project that people might recognize? Um, Tim Tim Russ. Tim Russ. who Russ. played Tuvok from Voyager. Chris um, doing Chris Dewin, who's James Doolin's son. And... Chase Masterson. Chase Masterson. And... and uh um, Lou Scheimer
0: has been... Uh, yes. Well,
3: Vic, and I can never pronounce his last name. known, Yeah. He's very much involved, and he's doing quite a bit with um, Star Trek Phase 2. Right. Right. Um, you had a chance to visit Lou, Lou Scheimer this mm-hmm. summer, this past fall? Um, it might have been two years ago. Okay. Yeah, I met up with Michael Strzok in L.A., and we went up to his home, and um, great guy, very um, very entertaining. And for people that don't know him, maybe we should establish that. Who is? Lou Scheimer was one of the co-founders of Filmation. It was Norm Prescott, I think. And, and they're the ones Lou that did the original animated series. Correct. They did the original animated series of Trek, along with a lot of um, Saturday morning cartoon shows, as well as a few live-action shows like ISIS, um, I think Shazam, or, or I could be wrong on that, but um, there was a lot of campy Saturday morning shows geared for kids. And each of the, one of the, the philosophies of, of Lou and Filmation was that all the work would be done in the United States. It, at the time, a lot of stuff, Hannah Barbera and another outfit, was sending everything over overseas to do, and they were doing it cheap. And Lou information kept everything in the United States, as well as the other principle that they had was that at the end of each episode, it would be a moral for the, the children to walk away right. with. So, right, very cool. Now, have you kept that in? Yeah, well, is the whole moral thing, or well, it's the moral for the animated, even back in the classic Trek, was very much interwoven within the, the story itself. It I wasn't wrapped up at the end. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <I> mean <laughs> even in Star Trek itself was pretty much like that. I mean, a lot of good morals. and...
1: And I don't think they, at the end of an animated episode of Star Trek, I don't think they had the public service announcement. No, the they didn't. But the other <laughs> stuff that they did, yeah, it yeah. was pretty
3: much like that. I mean, E-Man and even the later stuff, they all had that PSA thing at the yeah, end. Right, yeah, right, right, right. Well,
2: Very cool. Uh, did, now, you mentioned uh, briefly, maybe we, I'll have to edit this out or not, but you guys mentioned that you might even, I mean, let me back up, strike that. So you guys one of the things that makes you unique, Starship Farragut unique, is that you frost you don't stick by saying sure. that you don't stick just in live action. Correct, correct. What what made you, you just kinda of stumble on that or
3: Well you- the the animation was Michael Strzok's idea. Um, the initial concept was live action. But the comic book adaptation was something that I've always liked comic book art and collected comic books and um as a kid, always drew, was going to be a graphic designer at one point and change careers. So I always loved the illustration, the artwork, and wanted that. I felt with this project, you know, certainly with going to live action, why not go to comic book? Mm -hmm. And I mean, it it doesn't, it can cross over, you know, you could do audio stories, you could do, I mean, there's, for this type of project, there's no, no limit, you know, to what we could do. Um, I don't know if we'll ever do a game. Well, but we, had certainly, been,
0: we had been talking about doing a comic book for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, and then Kale Tescar went ahead and picked up the, the ball on that. Yep. And he went ahead and just, I, I remember one day getting an email from him with the first three pages of this, this comic book that he created. And I was like, <laughs> wow. And uh, so there was it's a little feedback nice that, that we awkward. gave him back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. on um, he, he wanted yeah. to deal with Prescott's departure from... Uh, Farragut because he's now working with uh, the group up in New York is too so uh, he thought it would be nice to tie that in there and so he was kind of asking us how how is that to be handled and uh, John took the reins on that gave him the the direction and we've got a comic book out now that did a a and I never saw
3: I never saw the story so when I I was a little bit when I got the yeah. You know, I got an email, okay, it's all done. And I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> what am I to reckon So I read through it, and I was blown away. And, and for a comic book at the end, I was really saddened by the story of seeing Prescott leave. Yeah. And and so it was it done in such you, a way.
2: It
3: yeah, it, it, it really did. Um, the story, and, and the only guidance, I, I, I was really much, because of the, I didn't want, I wanted it. He did a great job of the story. Because I told him, I I said, Prescott's departure should not be something where it's a negative. It should be something where he's not being demoted, he's not being reprimanded, there's no negative punishment or Mm -hmm. anything like that. And the way he wrote the story at the end of the day, it's basically this, this agreement between him and Tackett, and there's no right or wrong answer. And the way that it ends because of mitigating extenuating circumstances, it comes to a complete end. And but Prescott's nature and his inner self says, "I need to leave because I've, I I uh, disobey direct order with my." Uh, and well, you'll read. It. I don't want to take it, but the story is called D- "Dearly Departed." It's online, and here at the Farpoint Convention, we're giving away hard copies for free to people. Um, uh, but it's it was really a good story, and I was really surprised, really surprised in a good way. That right. it, it was such a well-written story, and and they kept they kept all the characters to, to their true yeah true selves. Right. Did, did a wonderful job, yeah.
0: So, so and we're probably gonna have to give him a comic book before they, they for
3: the leave. <laughs> I want
1: to <laughs> yeah. read it now. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it really is good. Um, and well, another you can give comic it away
3: book- our show, if
0: you do. There you go. The
3: but the comic book premise idea that I had. That I envisioned was more the traditional comic book. Right. And had been trying to find someone to take this on and went to the first, first comic con we went to was in um, 2007. And we met some, a lot of good talented people, but no one really committed to dedicated to really take on this project of its size. And I was not aware of the time commitments that it would take. Not only in addition to taking a script that we had, drawing it, it's kind of like coming up with an outline first and then even if you may have your script, as an artist, <coughs> you got to come up with all the drawings for the story, how you're going to tell it and, and, and outline it. Once that's done, then you go back and you really then draw all of them. And then from there, then you have some uh, colors to do all the coloring of the artwork. And so we're still working on it. But Jerry Bennett is a guy in Oklahoma City who came to the convention, looked for some, some project he could gravitate and grab a hold of. And he's already done all the outline drawings and he's now working on that so you should see something soon with with the new traditional type of comic book but um... this one is great too I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that this this new version which is being done of Hair of the Dog which was a story that Mark Kildebrand wrote and um... It'll be more in the traditional. It'll have his style of what these characters look like. And when will that be good? When, when do you, when um, that he's that? got all the outline drawings done. He's now working to finalize them. And we weren't able to get it done for this, but we should have them done prior to um, Shore Leave. Very good. Very good. Any,
2: any other types of medium you're going to get into other than... Uh, so you got comic book, animation, and live action. What else are you looking I'm at? I'm not for sure. High? I don't know what,
3: what's new out there that we haven't touched 3D. Oh, yes. <laughs> Starship Farragut get the musical. 3D. All right. Yeah. Uh, Prescott. <laughs> 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 I mean, you're right. Starship Farragut yeah. get the musical or, or yeah. something,
1: a theatrical production. Right. Yeah, right. But you're right. also helping uh, another uh, uh, independent film group uh, get their feet off the ground, uh, Starship yeah. Polaris. Correct. Yes, um, the, the project
3: that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Dennis Bailey's mm-hmm. Brainchild. We've been working with them. Um, United Worlds Entertainment is his company, and we're working with them. Mike did the props. I helped with set. I mean, not sets. Um, <laughs> with costumes, mortuary, I mean, right. Sewing, with all the costuming, I sewing some of that. A, and um, can we did a great job. We took care of some of the um, administration, the sacks and the tory, because we have some professional actors involved in that production. Um, <coughs> help to get it a, a SAG um, signatory authorized production, as it were. So, but it yeah. basically
2: means that you can use SAG actors.
3: Yeah. yeah, and this project has other people involved too. You got Alexander Abraham, who works with Phase 2, does their camera work. You got Paul Sieber, who's worked with us, works with Phase 2. He does a lot of other audiobook or. Audio stuff. He does a lot of things. He's done a lot of stuff. A lot though. of He's stuff. Busy man. Mm-hmm. And you got Gina Hernandez from Star Wars Revelations. She's done a lot of professional nice. acting. Mm-hmm. You see her um, um, Law and Order episodes. Um, oh, Nurse okay. Jackie, a lot of, you know, Fringe. She's done a couple episodes of Fringe. Um, so she's we pretty much out there. Yeah. Nick Cook from Star Trek Intrepid. He's involved. She's a friend of mine um, on Trek Space. Mm hmm. So you got a lot of, you know, like I was saying earlier, that you got a lot of these outfits. You have to work together, and yeah, certainly if you're not making right, any right. money, you got to be able to work together and share the resources because it could just it can bankrupt you, you <laughs> know. Yeah, i sure it could, and, and and especially when
2: you're looking at quality. I mean, you're, you're, especially the quality you're looking for that. Well, tell you, you mentioned your stage or your area is in Georgia, right? Your warehouse, correct. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's been going on there. You've been refining the sets, right? Is that how yeah, you I'll let Mike speak. Well, we're, we're, <laughs> we're,
0: we're building sets right now. We're still in uh, construction phase. Uh, captain's quarters is done. Uh, we've got uh, uh, turbo lift set done. We're about 80% complete on the transporter uh, room. All the sets are being tied in uh, with corridors. Uh, the bridge for our initial filming is going to be about a half or three quarter. No. Quarter bridge? Something. It, well, enough to, not be to between go in a quarter to a half a bridge. Right. Uh, to go ahead and accommodate the initial uh, script that we've got for the next one. Uh, and as we go on, we'll be able to keep building on that. It until it's a complete 360 um, what we've got done so far is the the, uh, the main upper deck area uh, the cactus chair is done the, uh, the nav hub console need to be detailed out um, we're going to start building off the uh, the back wall the transport the turbo lift and the, uh, the consoles and then we've already got the wood cut out it's just a matter of starting to assemble this stuff so, so
2: when this is all done I'll be able to go down there, and it'll be like walking onto the Starship. Mm-hmm.
1: And I know that authenticity is very important to you. What, do you, what are you doing? Tell me a little bit about what you're doing to... Uh, there you are, uh, a, or give us an example. Of, uh, uh,
0: everything has to be exact. Uh, anybody who knows me... Uh, does that they, include exact materials and everything? Well, if, if I can find the exact <laughs> materials, yeah, I'll use them. Um, an, 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 there's a, an unfortunate thing that... I had found the, uh, the rocker switches for some of the control panels, and I never thought that we'd actually start working on our own, so I had given my last bit of supply to the group up north. Phase and two. Phase two, and so they don't make me anymore. They're gone. So now I've, I've sent uh, one of my survivors out to my brother, who's going to cast it in uh, rubber We'll have resin knockoffs done, and we'll use those for ours. So right. uh, it, it's, it's not the exact same thing, but it's going to be. so you can't tell us. So you won't be able to tell
3: from film. I mean,
0: it up. You'll know, but yes. no one else. And everyone listening to the podcast will know, but no one. Knows. Correct. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's more um, a lot of screenshots, uh, making it look exactly as it was. I mean, some things are going to be off. But in thing.
3: addition to the authenticity that Mike does, one thing that he's really good, his expertise, is the functionality. These buttons, when you hit, click them or whatever, they light up, or they, they do something, whatever it is that they were designed to do. Mike has that, the electronics and mechanical knowledge to make these things work. So, um, the transporter console, it, it lights, it, it will light up, and it will do all the things that, you know, the grid will... The round this thing will move, and all etc. Um, so he's really got a knack, and we're, we're lucky, luckily, to have him involved in the project for that very specific need. So, Did I tell you I you was
0: putting it to the end this year? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 nice. We talked about that actually. That's
3: interesting to know. Too. This project has been in existence for over five years, and. We're getting older. Some of us are having children, and um, so how how much longer can this? Well, I think take, it, I think it will it go will, on. It
0: will continue. I think, like like I told John, I said I, I can see myself doing four more episodes, and then what I would like to do is uh, put out a casting call for the new science officer of the Farragut. Because the star of the show is not John or me or Holly. It's the Farragut. The stories are told on the Farragut. So if we bring somebody else in, they're going to not be tacky. They're going to be another character coming on taking that other character's place. (coughs) It it, it fits for us because, you know, let's face it, I'm almost 50. I can't keep doing this. Building sets, making the props, sitting behind the scenes, I would love to do. Because I I can... I think, do more. Whereas okay. when I have to worry about what my lines are and being on set and, you know, you know, I, I like to goof off on set, so if I've got a director that will not let me go ahead and goof off, then I kind of, you know, it's a bummer.
2: Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. But it's working. Hard. Well, you know, and, and it's great because, I mean, the, the whole thing in the military style thing, you do have people that will circulate in and out. That mm-hmm. so makes sense, even the yep. line of the story are... Yeah. even though Trek hasn't traditionally done it I mean Trek could have done that the, well that
3: always kind of bothered me to be honest because even on Next Gen Worf was like you know he was a lieutenant for like seven years yeah and uh-huh. and you know the captain and then all the people stayed you know even when they did the movies they had and I know that was more for, for our sake the fans but realistically people transferred and it was good to see Sulu finally get a ship you know and it made sense people moved on I mean Chekhov and, and Rafa Khan he was on it. He was um, on a different ship. And Carter
0: came in and, and took command of a vessel and brought his uh, two of his friends on board, and you know, so and, and now Prescott's transferred over to uh, the Enterprise. And
3: but know. I suspect that he went like Mike. Mike's approached, I'll probably do a casting call or two at some point for Carter. You know, and then have him maybe do cameos or something, but not so kill him off. But maybe s- Admiral Carter. Or just another. Maybe he's just a captain, a fleet captain, or mm-hmm. he's just on a special assignment for Starfleet, and we can leave it vague enough. So he's doing something else, but you're in um, a Yeah, have you, Card come and take him and your crew
0: Come and take him and oh yeah, Car, Captain Carter in you know, prison.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything else that you guys would like to talk about, or regarding what you're
3: doing? Um, we're always looking for people to augment our management team, the cast and crew. Um, we're looking for camera operators. We're looking for lighting
0: uh, operators, gaffers, um, sound engineers. Uh, we're, we're in need of an editor now. Uh, video editor. Uh, video editor. So if you've got those skills and you want to be a part of this, you know, Holly handles all of our uh, uh, submissions for help and assistance. So, where, gotcha. where can they find that information? Uh, she is on the website. It's it's also uh, hbednar at starshipferguson And, and uh, you know, like I say, she does all the hiring. And uh, you know, right. right? Yeah. And that and,
2: and you're in the website that is is starshipferguson Starship right? And, and what about the animated is That, that is
0: uh, well, right now it's it's separate. It's going to fall under uh, Starship uh once the needs of the many comes out. Uh, in the future Uh, but right now it's uh, farragut-animated.com and then we've also got uh, the parent company farragutfilms.com which
3: is the, the management structure of those entities and I guess one last final thought is in addition to our website which we have we have our forum we put out information we have a blog too so I think Farragut-related. We do interviews as well uh, with both both fans, people involved in the project, um, and we have some celebrities now lined up to do some blogs with them as well. So, nice. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you guys for taking thank
2: you. Thank you. the time
3: out of the Farpoint Con here to chat with us. And uh, I'm sure shortly we'll hit you up again to find out what's been happening. Absolutely. Chat. Well, thank you for coming. Yeah. It was great talking with you both. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. The Aussie Geek Podcast brings you the best from the world of technology. Each week, Dave, Kate, and Keith, the token Canadian, bring you the highlights from the week's technology news, along with great software finds and the best of the web. The geeks are joined by friends of the show who bring their own unique and global perspectives on the world of technology and the way we live in it. Join us each week for the Aussie Geek Podcast. Subscribe today in iTunes or visit us at aussiegeekpodcast.com. The Aussie Geek Podcast. Bloody Awesome Tech.
2: Welcome back to the podcast. We hope that you enjoy our interview with Starship Farragut, the guys there. Uh, again, Miles, like you said we, or, or at the beginning, these guys are just really genuinely nice guys. If you ever get a chance to meet these guys at a con, it is well worth it.
1: Right, pro- you might walk away with a... Uh, a free DVD of uh, some of their past work.
2: Yeah, it's it's all donation-based. Mm-hmm. It really is. If you get a chance, you know, donate monies to their cause. It's, it, they're really putting these together out of the goodness of their heart. And we may not have clarified this earlier, but I'm sure you heard in the interview, these people are just helping us expand on Classic Trek.
1: Yes.
3: Good, and
2: good, uh, good the, way to the Classic Trek universe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you just heard from our friends in Australia, you know, Dave Gray from the Aussie Geek podcast. Dave, Kate, and, uh, oh, I forget the other guy's name. This is part of it. It's going to kill me. But uh, if you are looking for something geeky to listen to, especially geek tech, this is a podcast you want to check out, definitely. Well, Miles, our dessert tonight, you and I recently saw a new movie. That we did. That we did, and it was a good movie. We saw Iron Man 2. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, talk about a really fun flick. So, uh, what was your expectation going into this movie, Miles?
1: Well, um, I heard a little that from critics that this was not as good as the the first one. However, I went in, I, I you know, I, I I was I was cautiously optimistic, and I wasn't disappointed. It was a great action, uh, very you know. Funny dialogue, you know, this is this was a feel-good action movie, and you, you need those once in a while. And if you're looking for, you know, you want to be entertained real well. And Robert Downey Jr. is a great actor. Um, I thought he did really, I mean, he was born to play Tony Stark. And um, so um, I, I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. I, don't, I, I thought, I don't think it was... I think you and I talked about this. It complements the uh, first one real well. I don't, you know, I, I can't see both saying one one is better than the other. It just seems that this was just, you know, like you said before, it, it complements it.
2: Yeah, you know, and I went in cautiously optimistic. I knew what the critics were saying. Mm-hmm. I knew what I'd seen in the trailers. And, you know, the trailers, the trailers for Iron Man 2 did not wow me like the trailers for Iron Man 1. However, I was going in, in there knowing that, uh, loving, having loved the first one and really hoping for a good second movie. And I feel I got it. Mm-hmm. You know, this was not a Transformers 2, which I like Transformers 2, mm-hmm. Transformers 1. Uh, I thought that this movie held up better as a sophomore release than Transformers 2 did. And here's the reason why, Miles. Okay. I felt like, they had, there was, there was, it wasn't just all action. You had some good character development, some good story going on with his, with, um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character being sick and, uh, I guess, you know, Tony Stark getting sick and, uh, and then kind of working his way through that, and having to rely on other people, him learning to trust other people with this technology. You had a real
1: deep, um, a really deep story coming out. There, there was a yes, I, I, and I agree with you 100. Uh, percent There was more story and a little more depth. Um, you, you mentioned, um, you know, Tony Stark getting sick and and dying. I mean, basically, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's trying to um, sort of set his affairs in order, so to speak, because he thinks what he has is incurable. Uh, but also, he has issues, you know, with his father, and so there was some resolution and maybe there was a little more revelation that. You know, he he, he thought uh, things were w- with his father a certain way, and actually, you know, they weren't um, to to his favor, I should say. Um, so you you had that going for it. Um, we got a little more um, information about uh, a Shield with uh, um, Nick with Nick Fury's character, the, Fu- the character of Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson. I thought that was really cool. Mm. Uh, so some some things to look forward to in the future there.
2: Yeah, definitely, and I loved I loved his character,
1: mm-hmm. his character Scarlett Johansson's character
2: uh, were just some really, you know. Here's the thing with Scarlett Johansson: if I have, if if I have a complaint with the movie is that she was brought in more as eye candy, maybe,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, and while the best part for my opinion, and again, if you haven't seen the movie, please stop, and you don't want to be spoiled, please stop this because I'm going to spoil it here. At the very end, when they when she goes to the lab uh, and is fighting all those guys, that is by that is freaking awesome. It is, it is, it's cool, and and she is beautifully fighting,
1: right? Which may not be very realistic, but uh, I don't know. I mean, she's probably five foot nothing. I mean, compared to these other guys, um, it stretched the bounds of disbelief a little bit, but. That's okay. I mean, uh, you know, you just kind of go with it.
2: And then again, the idea of an Iron Man does that by its very nature.
1: No, that that I can believe. That's no problem for me. <laughs> there's no, uh, there's no problem at all there.
2: I, I loved it. the other thing that I really loved about the the movie. The guy that played Whiplash all right um he did such a phenomenal job mickey rourke yeah yeah and uh i know he just he did the wrestler prior to this i did not see the wrestler did
1: you see the wrestler? i did see
2: the wrestler and it was well done
1: i think it was extremely well done yeah and so this was a it
2: was good to see him in a role and i felt like he was a real believable whiplash as much as whiplash can be believable right Mm -hmm. um but just phenomenal my you know Here's maybe one of my second complaints of the movie is that the fight at the end seems a bit quick when he actually encounter him.
1: It, that it is. I mean, they they fight off all these, you know, robot soldiers, and then he, you know, he's the coup de grace. and uh, it, you know, it's over in three minutes. Right. So, which makes me wonder if maybe there's more when the DVD comes out. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, because you expect something like
2: that to be like a Darth Maul fight mm-hmm. that, you know, goes on for a good 10, 15 minutes before he dies. Does he have to die? Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. But Now, granted, this movie was two hours and five minutes long.
2: Yeah, so it was long. It was definitely long to begin with. Longer right. if you actually sit through the credits. Mm-hmm. So, Which and, we did. And and you should do if you
1: go uh, to the movie. Yes, definitely sit through the credits. There is a payoff. You will not be disappointed.
2: Yeah, not a long payoff, but it was enough to get us talking.
1: Yes. Uh, should we tell them what it is? Um, Sure, why not? We, we, we're we saying, you know... We're spoiling it anyway. We're spoiling it anyway, so, you know... Yeah, so
2: um, we have a couple hints of some other Avenger movies that are in the works, and mm-hmm. one of them occurs at the very end after the credits. Right. And this, of course, is a reference to... Four. Thor. Thor, mm-hmm. so... uh do we have any news as to when the Thor movie is coming out?
1: I haven't seen anything yet.
2: Right. I just looked it up, and the other reference that we have in this movie of another Avengers movie is what? Captain America. Yeah, Captain America. And do we have any reference to the Hulk in this movie? I didn't think we did.
1: No, there was no. There, there was a reference.
2: menace in the Southwest, but I think that ends up being Thor.
1: Mm-hmm. No, there I I didn't pick up on any, you know, any allusions to the Hulk at all. Yeah.
2: Well, Captain America. Captain America is set. To come out in July 2011, Cool. So next summer is when that's set to release,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and um, it's going to be. It should be good. It should be good.
1: Well, have a couple of good superhero movies that next year. Uh, that you know, that, along with that, will be Green Lantern. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: Let me just uh, read a little bit of write up that MTV has on uh, Iron Man two, and they're talking about uh, the Shield of Captain America. Which uh funny scene because you pull it out of a box, right? Right and he uses it to prop up his particle accelerator like he doesn't know what it is. Here, use it. Oh that's perfect. <laughs> you know. And it's it's kind of funny.
1: it, it is, but it's also foreshadowing. It was just, oh. you know um yeah. uh, So anyways, this is what it says. Midway through Iron Man 2, Tony Stark decides to build a particle
2: accelerator in his basement. Why? Because he's freaking Iron Man. Does he need a reason? (laughs) For the nitpickers among you, let's just say that pulsing reactor in his chest is causing some problems, and Stark needs to create an entirely new element to save his life. Yep, stakes are high. So Stark is putting the finishing touches on the machine that smashes together subatomic particles when Agent Coulson, who works for the superhero-focused spy agency SHIELD, stops by and notices something strange. Captain America Stars and Stripes Bidek Shield. Coulson wants to know how in the world Stark came possession of the superhero's equipment. Stark seems blissfully aware of its true owner, choosing to use the shield to prop up his homemade accelerator. It's a funny moment that speaks to the burgering Marvel Universe on the big screen. The first Avenger, Captain America, is in the works for July 2011 release, followed next year by the Avengers, which will bring together Captain Stark and other Marvel characters. So, again... Uh it's a great easter egg to have in this.
1: Oh yeah, that, that was great to see. Yeah.
2: So uh Miles, what else sticks out in your mind about this movie?
1: Um we got we get to see um War Machine. Um the uh, other Iron Man suits that uh um Don Cheadle's character um uh, wears in. it uh, Now of course War Machine has changed. The actors
2: have changed from the first movie to this. John Cheadle came on after, I guess, some contract
1: issues or right. issues mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. But I thought he did a good job filling in for that role.
2: I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. I like Don Cheadle. I wasn't sure how I'd like him in this. Because mm-hmm.
1: every time I see him, I think Hotel
2: Rwanda. Okay. Because that's, I, I know he's done other stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just, he's the guy that played in that, right?
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. so Very talented actor.
2: So let's compare this movie to the first. Okay. How does this movie line up to the first Iron Man, in your opinion?
1: Or is it even a fair comparison? See, to me it's not I think of the the, Bat, the the recent Batman movies. Um in some ways, I mean I think you can kind of compare those two. For some reason I have I have difficulty comparing these two together. It almost as if the second one is kind of a continuation of the first one. Um that, it, that that's how that's how it feels to me.
2: So it's hard to really compare and say one's better than the other. It's really just a continuation of the story for you. Right. You know, I would have, been, there's something different. Whenever you have first movies of superheroes, there's always the, the learning part, the uh, accepting who they are, what they're becoming, kind of this embracing their call, I guess, if you want to argue, um, are their potential. And so you see that, you see that in Spider-Man 1, you see that in Batman Begins, you mm-hmm. see it in um, you see it in Iron Man. And and there's there's a sense of difference in, uh, that these movies are... Like the sophomore movies releases for these really is nothing more than a continuation of the story. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there are different things about each one that I like. and I think I have to see Iron Man 2 again before I really make that judgment.
1: Mm. Uh, but I wouldn't mind seeing it again. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, so... Tell me about so the critics going into this were kind of giving this meh mm-hmm. you know saying some people are saying it's good, it's not terrible, it's not bad, but none of it was really wow, this is an awesome movie
1: mm-hmm. I wonder if, if if people's expectations are just too high um, I mean we get so much in our movies now, I mean movies are so big big budget now um. They could do so much more with the special effects and everything. I, I think maybe people's expectations just get too high, and then it, and then it clouds their uh, um, their evaluation.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't agree with them.
1: Mm-hmm. I think no. this movie
2: out of out of a five star rating, this movie probably four and a half for me.
1: Me too. I, I enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, yeah. I was not disappointed at all uh, when I saw it.
2: The guys we were with too just. Really, genuinely enjoyed it. I think the people in the theater is really... I think everybody awesome. had a good time
1: when I watched it, yeah.
2: And what more can you ask for from a movie, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: so we talked about... We, we talked, a, a, I guess, a little bit about some of our highlights already, but were there any moments that were real wow moments
1: for you? The real wow moments? Um, I thought when... Towards the end where Stark's competitor... Uh, shows off that's hammer right hammer yeah exactly yeah that's it uh reveals his um his robo soldiers and i mean uh they were impressive looking and then when war machine comes out i mean you know that was you know that and the, the battle between I, I you know iron iron man and and those those robo and the drones right the drones yeah
2: and uh, that was
1: a very impressive uh uh, battles, you that know, was so. a good. That was a good fight,
2: right? Uh, I liked that. I liked the whole appearance of that. And yeah, that 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 was a wow moment. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, I'm trying to think of a wow moment for me. I think, I think, him flying over the whole compound was kind of was kind of a wow moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, we obviously had the wow moments that are you know linked into the Avengers, but you know, I uh. I did like the courtroom scene. I wasn't sure I was gonna feel about that. But that was funny.
1: The courtroom scene was was uh yeah, that was just you know, just just uh good fun there, uh, between uh um I'm trying to remember the guy who played the Senator, uh, He's a he's a famous comedian. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. um Yeah, I don't know. But uh peop I mean, when you see him you'll recognize him. But but the um the banter between him and, and uh Robert Downey Jr. was uh was, was good
2: yeah, and I thought the effects were tastefully done in this movie. Not over the top. And, you know, we commented on this after the after this. They could have, you know, done what every other movie has been doing lately and, and has been pushing 3D into mm-hmm. it. This movie, to our knowledge, has not been released in 3D. I'm not sure how
1: 3D would have enhanced this movie. I don't think it would have really, you know, added much to it. Um, I think 3, 3D has become, you know, it's it's the new bandwagon now. Um But, I mean, it really worked well for Avatar. Um, We'll see how it works for other movies. Yeah, definitely. I I would
2: agree with that. And uh, and we did see some good trailers that would definitely work for Avatar. uh, Airbender, I think, would definitely work well with uh, 3D. Right. But whereas um,
1: A-Team, probably not. No, but uh, still A-Team looked pretty cool. It did. It did. And
2: this is the first time I really – I mean, I saw – uh, a small trailer for it earlier but this is it was kind of nice to see the a-team trailer here
1: i think it's making you know i mean when i first heard the idea of the a-team as a movie i i thought you know i mean i enjoyed the show when i was a kid but the idea of it as a movie i thought it was kind of lame but then i saw the, the first trailer i was like this might not be, be totally terrible and yeah. uh and this trailer is
2: kind of confirms that although liam nelson as these characters whenever i see him i think of something just a bit more regal I think maybe this is my whole Star Wars premise here. Someone that's a bit more posh than the character he's playing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it it's not a movie without Liam Neeson. I mean, uh, he's just—I <laughs> don't know how many movies he, he's in, but uh, uh, but I, I think you know there's a lot of naysayers with the A team, and I think uh, you know this this has changed a lot of people's minds. I mean, a lot of the people in the, uh, the theater seem to react well to the trailer. Now, were there any moments in Iron Man? Let's talk about this.
2: Any moments in Iron Man that you were like, "Wow, this was this is not a wild wow moment." Um, any parts you did not particularly care for?
1: Now, granted, we're, you and I are seeing a superhero movie about a man in this armored suit that flies around and fires laser beams out of his hands. Um, so, by that we, token, we should have no problem suspending our disbelief. Right. But, but one area that I thought was a little bit of a stretch was the, his suit in the suitcase that oh yes I thought that's asking a lot of me um, that you know this 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 uh it's, no, it's grant it's not the same suit he normally wears it's like a portable version of it but the fact that it can you know had a lot of the same capabilities I thought was was really stretching the bounds of disbelief
2: I thought that one of the things was a bit not a wow moment or bit dis- disbelievable for me is when when whiplash gets crazy. Rushed up alongside the wall by a car, right? Walks away from it unscathed. That, that's yeah, that's another one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's I'm like because he doesn't he didn't seem to have a lot of leg armor on. Now, maybe he does. Maybe I have to go back and rewatch it. But it just seems like when they hit him that he was just kind of crushed and knocked out.
1: We're talking about the race, right? Yes. Well, he doesn't have much in the way of armor on at all. It just seems well, it's all under his outfit. But it's, it, most of it's just those 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 whips he has and whatever is powering them. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the fact that he was more seriously injured from that, um, yeah, that was another uh, – he 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 should have been seriously hurt, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: What did you think of Hammer as a villain? I mean, kind of the
1: pawn <laughs> villain,
2: not the uh, – Whiplash, obviously, is a real villain here, but kind of the pawn villain here. What did you think of him?
1: He was all right. He was more of a plot device. I mean, I, I guess. I mean uh, – I thought um I, I didn't see a lot of i mean I think they maybe that's one area made the film didn't succeed is his hatred uh and jealousy of tony Stark. right um I thought more he was just a plot device for um a whiplash to uh do what he what he was going to do but um but they they implied that you know he was that that hammer had you know his um you know, his jealousy issues with uh, Stark.
2: Yeah, and Sam, Sam Rockwell is the guy that uh, plays him and he, of course, has done tons of other stuff as well. Trying mm-hmm. trying uh, I think, what other stuff have seen? I seen? him mean, he was in Frost Nixon, I think this one maybe the, uh, oh, he was in uh, Moon, that one, uh, Sam Rockwell's Moon. Okay. Was, uh, they, they were talking about it in independent circles, independent sci-fi. hmm
1: uh,
2: one. He's done stuff like that, so. Mm-hmm. And Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.
1: Well, okay. I didn't know he was in
2: that Zaphod
1: I don't remember that. So, okay.
2: But, yeah, whatever. So he's, he's been around. hmm and, and a little bit in the sci-fi world.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
2: so we have the S.H.I.E.L.D. Who do we all have? Uh, who's all coming out in the S.H.I.E.L.D. now?
1: <coughs> well. So we met Nick Fury, obviously. Right. Uh, the Hulk. Oh, the Hawk. Um, we have um, Iron Man. Iron Man. Uh, we have allusions now to uh, Captain America and, and Thor, and Thor. Um, Scarlett Johansson's character. Yeah, the Black Widow.
2: Oh, and what is the who's the other guy that's kind of the guard for him in his house?
1: Oh, um, you mean um, Tony Stark's guard? Yeah, the Happy one, something. Yeah,
2: no, the guy. Yeah, the guy that kind of watches
1: over him. Oh, that guy! I know who you're talking about. He's the one who who uh, found. Oh, no,
2: Cla- it's Agent Colson. Mm-hmm. And what is and what is he what is he in the shield? He's maybe he just works for. Him.
1: Yeah, I don't recall I don't remember him in like in the any of the animated uh
2: No, but he's supposed to be in uh he's in all he's in all of his Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Thor, Nick Fury, the Avengers. So he's coming out. He'll be coming up. I okay. forgot there's a Nick Fury movie coming out too. Very cool. So that's I did forget about that. Okay, well, Let's wrap up our review of Iron Man. Anything else you want to say about
1: Iron Man, the effects? Effects were very good. They weren't too much, I thought. um, uh, I I thought they did what they needed to do and just look cool, blow stuff up, see Iron Man fly around. What about ACDC? ACDC music was a nice touch. I thought that, you know, uh, worked very well. Right. So is this movie worth seeing in the theater? In my opinion, yes.
2: Absolutely, yes. I would agree with that. A resounding yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and how would you rate this movie? Oh, pick a rating system and I'll follow it.
1: If we say five stars, um, I'll give it four stars. Yeah, you give it four stars, and
2: mm-hmm. I, I'm up there. It's is it the best superhero movie I've ever seen? I don't know, but it's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm.
1: Pretty darn good. It's definitely one I would rent in Blu-ray to see again. It was cool as we saw it in, in a packed house, and so. There's something about a seen with a, a, a large group of people. we just all enjoying it together. Yeah. Um, Whereas when we saw Star Trek... <laughs> yeah, for some reason, the theater wasn't that filled up that night. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't know. It, but, it, you know, Iron Man did really well this opening weekend. Uh, domestic totals as of May 10th. That would be yesterday. It earned $137 million uh, as domestic. And uh, I don't know if I have far... Oh, it's earned worldwide... Three hundred and thirty-two million, actually closer to three hundred thirty-three
1: million dollars worldwide. So it's at least, I would assume, movies now cost about at least a hundred million to make. So it's probably at least made what you know, it, you know, it recouped everything, and now it's it's making money. And this is just the first weekend, so
2: yeah. And I don't have the uh, cost of it right here, mm-hmm.
1: but we can assume it's yeah. at least a hundred million to make. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Miles. Why don't we take it
2: in? Let's go ahead and wrap up the show here. Okay. Alright, Miles, before we wrap up the show, let's talk about our sci-fi five and 5 and since we were talking about Iron Man, let's talk about our top five uh, superhero movies in the last ten years. Okay. So we kind of limited ourselves.
1: Sure, sure.
2: And um, why don't you go ahead and
1: pick one to start us out with it? Um, Definitely the last uh, two Batman movies with uh, Christian Bale. Um, absolutely I, incredible. And of
2: those, I know that you picked uh, the first one really being a standout for you, right? The
1: one stands out a little more than the second one, but the second one is still an excellent film. I mean, yeah, Heath Ledger's uh, Joker. I mean, I, I, I just does a compare. It, right. Yeah, absolutely incredible.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I might actually put two over one a little bit, but I uh, both of them were good. Mm-hmm. And I've watched Batman Begins couple times. Right. So well worth watching. Mm -hmm. Um, Spider-Man 1, I threw on the list. Uh, When that first came out, it was just phenomenal. I remember remember it happening just after 9-11, and they had to reshoot part of the the early scenes, so it came out the following year in May. It was an incredible movie to sit there and watch, Mm -hmm. and um, seeing Batman kind of swing Batman, Spider-Man just kind of swing through the city was just really cool. It was
1: a very good origin story for yeah, uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel that
2: the subsequent sequels quite held up as well. Yeah, I would agree with that, but uh still good. Mm-hmm. A, a, a good uh, notch on that superhero franchise.
1: Mm-hmm. Um my next one would be The Incredible Hulk uh with uh, Edward Norton Jr. Yeah, uh the, the second one. The second one. Yes. <laughs> um I just I it, uh, it was it was a fun movie um it was. Uh, I thought Edward Norton Jr. played a great uh, Bruce Banner, um, and uh, I like Liv Tyler as uh, uh, what was her character's name? Yeah, um, basically, oh, the, the love interest, um, and um, um, the, uh, the the bad guy being the, the abomin what was, was it called the Abomination or something. Yeah. Um, uh, um, Favorite part of the movie was Tony Stark. Right
2: because <laughs> yeah. he's in there at the end yes he does make appearance at he the end does. and uh, also on our list coming in at number 4 and these are in no particular order is Iron Man 1 and 2 we both enjoyed those and you obviously heard us reviewing those as mm-hmm. being a good good series <coughs> really we're just fans of the Avengers series period
1: sure uh, absolutely
2: and uh, why don't you bring, in, bring us in at number 5
1: uh, the X Men trilogy, also with the Wolverine movie. Yeah, because
2: they're I guess the X Men movies, and I guess it's not fair to put them all in the same plane because they're some of the, kind of different, right? Um, I, I did. I know people trashed the Wolverine movie. I love the Wolverine movie.
1: Me I too. Good. Um, I mean, some criticize it may as not has been as true to what the comics had, but um. I don't know.
2: That works for me. I never read the comics.
1: I never read the comics either, so I, I can go with what they present. I thought they presented yeah. it well. Um I thought the um the conflict he had with uh Sabretooth um was uh, um was very compelling, very interesting. Um and um I liked watching him throughout the years. I mean uh, the the opening with him and Sabretooth fighting in the wars you know, throughout history was just, was, was great. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. definitely. And the fact that they're brothers, pretty awesome.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, uh,
2: that's our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. Okay. If you, our listeners want to share your Sci-Fi 5 and 5, go ahead, send it to us by an MP3 file to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast at gmail.com or you can DM it to us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Diner. You can also call it into the show at 1-888-508-4343 and that number will get it you get it to us not to you who get it to us and we would love to play it and share your thoughts and your top five anything or top worst anything on the show and uh that will be great and you can obviously uh call into those same numbers and email us your thoughts on iron man 2 when you get a chance to watch it let us know what you liked, we didn't like what you agree or disagreed with us that's fine And uh, off of any other news you want us to talk about, any TV shows you're watching, we want to hear from you. And I believe that's about it. Where can they find us, Miles,
1: on the web? We we have a, a, a Facebook fan page
2: yep sci-fi diner podcast i think it is mm-hmm.
1: so we encourage and you to join we need one more
2: member to 75 oh, you, could, you, you, you,
1: you, you could you could you could you could do it folks you can
2: do it and you can find us on sci-fi diner that'll obviously take you there as well mm-hmm. miles you are on twitter
1: yes i am my handle is son of wharf at twitter
2: and i am herzog h-e-r-t-z-o-g on twitter as well as sci-fi diner and i believe those are all
1: stats yes
2: well miles Why don't we wrap up the show?
1: Okay, well folks, it's been great. Till then, good night, and good luck. We'll see ya.